Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. It's not in the limbo that no decision be made, right? You have a problem because nobody's made a decision. Once a decision's made, you don't have a problem anymore. Now you just have to implement a solution. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Don Wenner. Don is joining us from St. Augustine, Florida, he is the CEO and founder of DLP Capital, a high-growth impact investor that leverages capital with real estate-backed investments. They focus on sectors and property types that help address the housing affordability crisis in America. Don manages over $4 billion in real estate assets. Don, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on today. It's our pleasure. Don, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. So uh, as you said, I'm here in St. Augustine, Florida today, where our company's headquartered have been for the last seven or eight years. Started the company in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, 17 years ago as a college student at Drexel University. Started in residential real estate, home brokerage and home flipping, or residential brokerage and home flipping 
and steadily grew the business into where it is today, where we invest, as you said, in workforce housing. We do so as a ground-up developer. We do so as a value-add operator. We do so as a joint venture partner to other operators. And then our largest area of how we invest money is actually as a lender, lending capital to other sponsors. We do this largely throughout the Sunbelt region with a lot of focus here in Florida, in Texas, and the Southeast as a whole. Don, 17 years and $4 billion of assets under management. How did that happen? It's amazing how things can happen pretty quickly. We've all heard the saying of the overnight success. So it took us until July of 2020 to hit a billion in AUM and then went from a billion to four billion here in a little over two years. But at DLP, this is, as you said, year 17. We've grown our revenue every single year by over 60% for 17 straight years, 10 years in a row is one of the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies in America. So kind of this pace of growth, we call it the 20 mile march, a disciplined path of consistent growth is what we've been doing for 17 years. I wrote a book on the topic called Building an Elite Organization on the topic of scaling a high growth, high profit business. And we haven't had a three-year period where we haven't grown by over 300%. We haven't had a five-year period where we haven't 10x the business any five years you pick in the last 17 years. All right. Well, take me back to the beginning. How did you know all the content that's in your book? Did you have a mentor? Did somebody take you under their wing? Did you read a similar book to what you wrote? Wonderful question. So I guess a bit of all of the above, right? So one of our core values in our organization is driven for greatness, which sounds really cool and is really cool, but really what it means is seeking knowledge. And from my very beginning, I went out and sought knowledge, sought out people who had expertise and what I wanted to learn. So that was reading lots and lots of books. So for the past 15 plus years, I've consumed two or three books a week and learning from the greats such as Jim Collins, John Maxwell, Sean Covey, Stephen A. Covey, and then specifically read a book about 10 years ago called Traction, pretty famous book today by my good friend, Gina Wickman on a system called EOS and implemented EOS into our entrepreneurial organizational system. And it really helped provide some systems and tools and structure and common language for our organization to operate on. Then we pulled in the best ideas from Vern Harnish and scaling up and other systems. And ultimately we were, we were running our own system, built a lot of custom tools and applications to really be able to scale and get to that next level. It is challenge one for a lot of organizations is to get to the point of running 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 person organization. When you go from 40 people to 400, it adds additional levels of complication, communication challenges, and everybody can be in the same meetings. Everybody, not everybody's in the same offices anymore, which of course is quite commonplace today since these post COVID days. But it's a lot of input, a lot of great experts, a lot of masterminds, a lot of organizations I'm a part of, such as Tiger 21 and R360 and GoBundance and different organizations. And we started our own mastermind group, per se, called our Elite Membership with high-quality real estate operators, sponsors, developers a few years ago now, and get to learn from the best at what they do in the world of real estate and outside of the world of real estate. Don, a lot of things had to have gone right for you to get to where you are today. Looking back on that explosive growth, what were some of the hardest growing pains you had to endure? So I'd say that every issue I have today in my organization, every challenge I have today, and then really when I look back over the years, each of the challenges we faced ultimately were a leadership challenge. So anytime we've had a challenge, it's simply we've lacked appropriate leadership. So that's the really the hardest part of building business. There's a great or a terrible quote I've heard many times, depending on how you want to think about it, which is business would be so easy if it wasn't for the people. 
So hiring and developing people and more specifically leaders is really challenging. And step one for a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs, they grow a business is to get people to follow you. Then you get to the point where you can lead other leaders and then lead leaders who develop other leaders is kind of the big challenge we face today is having multiple layers there. How many people who report to me who are responsible to develop other leaders who manage people and the ability to develop leadership within an organization is the greatest challenge that I faced over my 17 years, the greatest opportunity. One of the most rewarding parts of growing a business is the ability to pour into and invest in people and develop them in a way that the lessons and energy and effort you provide into them provide 100x impact because you know you've developed them, they're going to develop other leaders and hopefully carry that on to multiple levels of leadership in the organization and ultimately outside the organization. So Don, when you say leadership, it sounds like you're pointing to you because ultimately you're the finite leader of this organization. It's a great comment. Jim Collins, who I'm an enormous fan of, says most entrepreneurs are time tellers and they often complain that they're time tellers. And I'll explain what I mean, but the reality is that's what they choose to be. And what I mean by that is most leaders in entrepreneur organizations are run an organization in a way that they're the only person who can tell time, meaning anytime there's a problem, anytime there's a decision that needs to be made, they're the only one who can solve that problem. So it all comes back to them. And many entrepreneurs I hear complaining, oh, you know, I have to do everything. I can't find good people. I can't develop people. I can't get leaders. The reality is they haven't invested the time, the energy, the effort to develop other people to be capable of making decisions. And they haven't take, done the hard work of teaching somebody to fish versus giving them the fish. So Jim Collins says the sign of a great leader is a clock builder. When you're able to build other people capable of telling time or not every decision, every problem has to come to you. And that's been the great challenge that the challenge of developing leaders is getting other people capable of making decisions. And it's the only way you can get to the scale we're at today, let alone with the goals we have ahead, is all decisions can't be made by me. I can't be the be all, end all, the only person who can see through the forest to make the decision. So that's been a major realization, I'd say five, six, seven years ago, where I've put a tremendous amount of my time over the last many years. Yeah, incredible story. Don, you went from all types of different real estate assets to primarily focusing on lending. Now, the typical person starts out single family, multifamily. They might go into commercial or they might scale the multifamily, but you found lending. Is that the holy grail of all the things that you've done so far? Wonderful question. I'll first start with saying, so today we own about 17,000 single family and multifamily rental homes for around $2.6 billion. We have 12 or 13,000 units, lots in development and construction right now. That's a, mainly a mix of multifamily and single family build for rent communities. And then we have a couple billion dollar lending portfolio where we're lending on essentially all the same things we invest in directly. So what our model has been is we build our expertise, our knowledge in an investment strategy. So at the beginning it was we became experts in flipping homes. And then we started lending on flipping homes as well. We became an expert in building a single family rental portfolio and then began lending on that. We became an expert in home building. 
building new single family homes, started lending on that. We became experts in value add multifamily and became a lender in that space. And now we've grown heavily over the last number of years as a ground up developer. And now are a very active lender in that space as well. So for us, what's made our lending business so exciting and, and has grown so much is the fact that we're experts in the actual investment strategy. So we can bring more to our borrowers than just the capital, but we can provide them expertise, resources, support as we're investing directly in these strategies. And then it also helps us, of course, reduce risk because we have a deeper level of knowledge and understanding to the business model, the numbers the expectations than typically a lender would have. But more direct answer to your question, lending is a phenomenal business. It's a much more scalable business. So it's a much easier way for me to 100x my impact by being able to lend the capital out to 100 other sponsors versus having to do all of the execution in-house. So we looked at it as a great way to scale our ability to impact the affordable workforce housing crisis and grow our platform. Don, if there is a syndicator that wants to use you as a lender, how do they approach you? What are the terms? And why are you better than a run-of-the-mill lender? Yeah, wonderful question. So start with is probably people are going to be listening to this podcast and may have not. I know you and I got the pleasure of meeting at your conference this past year, which we'll be at again and actually running a bunch of VIP content there. But there's going to be people listening here who've never heard of us and might be thinking, I go out to my lending broker and he doesn't bring me any term sheets from DLP. How come I don't ever see terms from you guys or see you guys out there pricing in the market? Because we don't do that. We're not out competing with other lenders. We don't think of other lenders as our competition because we're not out, out there competing on term sheets trying to fight for transactional business. We don't do transactional business. So what we focus on doing and how most people do business with us is we meet them out at an event like the best ever event or another industry event, or they get referred to us by one of our operators and they join us at one of our events or one of our joint events, like the one we're going to be doing with you guys. And we get to know each other and we provide them not just capital, but what we actually do most of our borrowers are part of what we call our elite membership, which is a community of masterminds I mentioned earlier, where we really pour heavily into our sponsors, helping them scale their business. We help them with hiring. We help them with leadership development. We help them with scaling their business. We help them do what the book is called, Build an Elite Organization. And by building, we provide them the technology to do that. And by building this deep relationship, we end up building a pragmatic financial relationship. We end up becoming their primary lender. We end up becoming, in many cases, an equity partner with them as well, a joint venture equity partner. But we focus on building really deep relationships with those who know what they're doing, have the desire and passion and ability to really scale a business that we know if we pour into them and invest in them, they're going to be able to scale. In turn, we're going to be able to scale. So most part, we meet these people coming to our events. So anybody can go to dlpcapital.com and click events, see the events we do, and we meet them out there or at an industry event and start building relationships and get to know each other. And then we are able to then customize what kind of financing needs they have based on their business model. And we work with single family, value add guys, flippers, rental operators, home builders, developers, self-storage, RV, mobile home, kind of across the spectrum. Yeah, Don, I do non-residential commercial. So strip malls, office building, warehouse, industrial. Is that a possibility to get lending from DLP or do you stick with residential? We don't do much of that. So our mindset is that's not where we're experts. So if a multifamily operator, as an example that we are lending to and partnering with, 
says, hey, I'm buying an office building in my hometown because of some great investment opportunity or because I'm going to put my company in that building or something that affect, we'll lend to them. So we end up doing all different types of commercial lending, but we're doing commercial non-housing related lending to primarily housing operators. So we have loans against hotels, office buildings, retail, industrial, flex, you name it, but we're not out looking for that business. All right. So I've got to do a multifamily deal with you first and then we do strip <laughs> malls. Got it. Awesome. Hey, Don, so tell me more about this mastermind. What is the goal with the mastermind and who's your target audience? So the goal is to build deep, meaningful relationships with great sponsors who we can pour into, help them scale, help them create jobs, help them create affordable workforce housing that we believe if we spend our time and energy and resources in them, they'll be able to scale faster, more effectively, make a bigger impact. So we're looking for those who already have a business model that's working. They already know how to have a niche. They know how to do well, right? They're a great value-add multifamily operator. They're a great home builder. They're a great developer. When I say great, meaning they've got a model that's profitable, that's working. That doesn't mean they have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that they're doing everything perfect. It doesn't mean they're running a credible organization every way. It doesn't mean they filled all the needed leadership seats in the organization. It doesn't mean they're executing perfectly. But if they have a business model that really works, they have a dynamic leaders who are really motivated and driven to build a great business, to build an organization that can really make a difference in their community or in the communities they invest and really want to build something. And there's a lot of real estate guys who are happy to do four or five deals a year, whatever that number may be. And maybe the goal next year is do four or five little bit bigger deals, but just like to do deals. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, nothing, but that's not who's a fit for us. It's those who really are going to build an organization are going to then deal with the gift and the challenges of hiring and developing leadership and building out operations and need support there and resources. So those are the people we're looking for who are value aligned with us. We have a chug test at DLP for all of our employees and, and for anybody we do business with. You want to go out and, and have a beer with this guy or gal, right? With somebody you'd want to spend time with. Somebody you want to spend time with, not just when things are going well, but also maybe when if things aren't going so well, you're not going to want to avoid their phone call and think, oh man, this son of a gun is going to call me again. I really don't want to have to talk to them. So we look for great people who've got a, a really solid business model and a desire and passion ability to scale. And then we pour into them. And, and by us pouring into them, it reduces our risk in partnering with them and providing them lending because they build a better business. But it also drives our scale because we can help a group go from coming to us and owning $100 million of real estate, help them grow to a billion. We're going to be able to deploy a lot of capital together and grow our platform. And that's really why, as I mentioned earlier, in the last two years, we went from $1 billion to $4 billion is because we've made finding great sponsors that we can partner with the center of our organization. So 75, 80% of that growth has come from partnering with other great sponsors that we could deploy our capital with them and our resources and knowledge and tools with them to scale their platform and in turn ours. We'll get back to the show with a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find a recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project-level IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first 
first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliance Experience Team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I think back to some of the operators that I've invested in, and man, if I could dive into their organization and fix them a little bit, I'd have a better chance of getting a better return on my money. So I love that model. Don, what overwhelms you today? So the alternative question people use, I like that, what overwhelms you? I don't know if I've been asked that way, but I usually get the, what keeps me up at night, what stresses me type question. And my standard answer, which is truth, especially last night, is I have a one-year-old who's not sleeping very well of late, so I'm up quite a bit with him. But in all seriousness, other than that, I've really focused a lot over the last eight, 10 years. And actually tomorrow is... I got this shirt sitting here. Tomorrow is Living Fully Day at DLP, which by the time somebody listens to this will be too late to, for them to take advantage of what I'm going to say, which is somebody, anybody can go online and join our Living Fully Day virtually. But Living Fully Day is a day we do at DLP where we focus on kind of everything outside of work for a day. And we've got people coming and leading sessions on meditation and fitness and financial independence and all kinds of different experts teaching on different topics and a really fun day. And we're going to do a lot of cool stuff. We have massage therapists coming in the office. We've got all kinds of cool stuff happening. But Living Fully Day, we like to say DLP, is the day is, is really fun, but it's really just the start of the concept of one of our core values, which is living fully, which is, I believe, real success in life comes when you can achieve your goals in all the areas of your life. And we call it the eight Fs of life, faith, family, friends, freedom, fun, fulfillment, fitness, and finance. So I believe that if you can be achieving your goals and what you want out of life in all of those areas at the same time, that's real success. So I work really hard to master the concept of living fully or another way to think about it is we call work-life integration, integrating all the priorities in my life, a part of one overall plan. So I'm a head coach of two football teams right now for my kids. I have three children, including a baby, as mentioned a moment ago. We travel the world. We cyber school our kids, and we travel. Actually, we'll be coming to the Best Ever Conference after two months in New Zealand. After a couple of weeks in Hawaii, we integrate all the different products. Yet, I certainly work really hard and more hours probably than most people, but I'm home for dinner most days. I'm engaged with my kids and my wife and my faith and my fitness and my health. And when you can feel that you have all those areas working together, a part of one plan, it gives you a sense of peace and fulfillment that I know what I'm doing each minute of every day, including right here with you right now, is intentional. And it's a part of achieving goals I've set in different areas of my life. So that kind of feeling that I'm spending all my time intentionally on things that are moving me towards my uh, achievement of my goals, it's aligned with my calling or my purpose and makes me feel really great. And we all have moments of overwhelmness. We all have a day where we're going meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and you don't get the email and you haven't gotten a phone and all of a sudden it's the end of the day and you're you're filled up and you can't get through and unburied. We all get those moments. But being able to have discipline and structure into your life, you know, usually by the end of the day, I do my evening routine. And after our kids go to bed, my wife goes to bed, I spend a couple hours clearing out the email, clearing out the day, preparing for the next day and quiet. And that allows me to recenter and end my day with prayer and, and meditation and journaling and be ready to tackle the next day with both feet hitting the ground and jumping out of bed in the morning, which is how I start most days. Yeah. Evening routine. It's not something that you ever hear. Everyone's yeah. got a morning routine. I like that. 
Don, back in the day when you were coming up, what were things that overwhelmed you? And what advice would you give people that are in organizations that are scaling and they're having growing pains? I'll start at the end of this. Teams are having growing pains and challenges and frustrations, and it probably ties in with your overwhelming kind of comment. So I don't have many days where I'm not extremely frustrated at least five or 10 times throughout the day. Now, you talk to most people in my organization, they're going to tell you, I don't understand how you handle the pressure, all the things going on, it seems so calm, right? And I believe in stoicism and keeping calm, meditation helps. I got this first edition book by Ryan Holiday, one of my team members gave me yesterday called Discipline as Destiny. So I believe in being able to, to keep calm. And I didn't have that patience as much when I was younger. I'm definitely an impatient person and very driven to move forward very quickly. But I've been able to learn the discipline of not overreacting and staying calm. But I'm often very frustrated. And I think if you're not very frustrated, I mean, it's different about being feeling frustrated than showing it, especially showing it to people who report up to you and so forth and to colleagues and clients, but to feel frustrated and feel like, man, we should we could be doing this better. We could be moving faster. We shouldn't be dealing with these issues anymore. If you're not feeling that way, or if you have employees in your organization who aren't feeling that way, odds are they're not that committed. They're not that focus because if you're really committed on being great at what you do and really focused on it, you're going to see things all the time that frustrate you. They can't do better. And sometimes out of that frustration, I might go from one meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, which is most every day. And now by the end of the day, I've been in seven different meetings on seven different topics. And one of the top jobs of a CEO or a leader is to solve issues. So I spent a lot of my day solving issues, being in meetings revolving around what's not going well. And so by the time you're done with the seventh issue and seven different things that are going wrong, it can feel overwhelming to say, well, what's the biggest fire that I'm going to spend my time on? What's the biggest priority? So some of the things we've done to help us deal with that is we implemented a couple really powerful tools we use in our organization. One is what we call wildly important goals or WIGs is the acronym for it, which is we figure out what is the biggest goal for every team in our organization. And they focus on that goal every week and they meet every week in a weekly meeting. Every person makes one or two commitments to what they're going to do by the next week to move the ball forward on that big goal. And then every quarter at DLP, every team member has three professional top priorities or rocks and three personal top priorities or rocks. And by just making sure we spend 10% or 15% of our time on the really important things in our world, that's our rocks and our wigs. Um, it's amazing what we can get done in, in 90 days. It doesn't mean you're ever not going to have a whirlwind of stuff you're dealing with. Great way I like to think about it is what's urgent is rarely important. And what's important is rarely urgent, but certainly the urgent feels really important. And the reason why the urgent happens and, and why it consumes us is because you don't have to do anything for the urgent stuff to happen. Right? It acts upon you. All you have to do is react to it, right? It's coming at you. It's stuff that's hitting you. The important stuff you have to act upon. You have to be proactive and put forth the proactive activity for it to move forward. So people think, well, I don't have time to do rocks or wigs or put these kind of things in place because I'm so busy. It's not about replacing the busy. It's about spending a small amount of our time on the things that really matter. You're still going to get through most of your time with the urgent, but it's amazing what can happen in 90 days, let alone six months or a year or years, when you can set aside a small amount of time every day, every week to what's really, really important is going to move you towards your goals, is going to move the organization forward. And few organizations do that and do that well. 
Such great advice. Best ever listeners, rewind that a little bit. Listen to it a few times. Don, how do you deal with or paraphrase, we should not be dealing with the same mistake over and over again? What would, <laughs> what would Don say in a meeting? Because that's what um, I would say. Listen, I'm from Jersey. I would lose my mind, just speak my mind. How do you do it? So one of the tools we use in our organization is a tool we developed called the Executive IDS Summary. And it requires whoever is the leader of this issue or whoever the owner of this issue is to fill out this little one-page form outlining the core issue that we're dealing with, why is it an issue, proposing a solution, listing out the pros, the cons, the timelines, and the owner of that solution. So most of our meetings revolve around people bringing forward issues, but they also have to bring forward a solution and a plan and an action. And and sometimes the solutions that get brought forward is not what we end up with at all, but they had to at least come forward with a solution because it's very easy. It doesn't take a really smart person or a really great leader to see problems. It's very easy to see when things aren't working well in an organization. It's hard to come up with a solution. It's hard to solve the problem. It's not hard to see it in an entrepreneurial business. There's fires going on everywhere. That's easy. Hard work is to bring forward the solution. And part of that is not allowing us to continue to have this same issue again and again and again and again. So when we have an issue and a problem, something doesn't go right for us to do the after action review term they kind of use in the military, right? Of, all right, why is this an issue? What went wrong? How do we make sure we don't ever deal with this again? How do we learn from it so it doesn't happen again? So that is, to kind of your question, one of the areas that does drive me nuts and why we put tools like this in place is if we deal with a problem, if we do something wrong, we make a mistake and we have to deal with the consequences of it, that's okay. We'll learn from it. We'll, we'll improve. We'll fix it. We'll be better next time around. But if we don't do that and now we have the same issue again and again, that's what's really frustrating. We haven't taken the time to learn from what we did wrong the first time. And it's common in young organizations, but that is one of the most frustrating things to experience. How do you assign an owner for each problem? We have an organization to do every task, can only have one owner. And I believe that if there's two owners, no one owns it. So there has to be one singular owner responsible for any task, any priority. It doesn't mean there can be codependencies or other people responsible for it. I might own something to get done and I might need three or four other people to own a piece of that. But ultimately, it rolls up to me to make sure that the overall priority gets done. So when you have an issue in an organization, the typical owner is the person whose team or department or in a small organization, the individual who's most affected by the issue, who's the one who the issue is affecting his or her day-to-day world has to be the one responsible for solving it, right? It can't be somebody who's detached from the issue, who's not dealing with it personally. They can't be the one making the decision. They can weigh in on it. They can be involved in it. They can offer support. But the person who's going to actually have to own the implementation of the solution, that's going to have to live with the decision we make around this issue, because not every issue gets solved. If somebody brings forward an issue, the outcome can be we do nothing and we accept it and we live with it and we're going to be okay. It's an issue. We know it's an issue, but it's not worth us solving today. Or the decision can be, we're going to solve it and we're going to fix it. What can't happen is that there's no decision. So you have to make a decision. We're going to accept that this is an issue, but right now it's not as big of an issue as something else. So we're going to live with it. We're going to stop whining about it. We're going to stop complaining about it. We can't do anything about it right now. Maybe we're not going to do anything about it for 30 days or 90 days or a year, but we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're not going to make excuses about it anymore. We're living with it or we're going to solve it. 
sometimes the issues that when you have limited resources and entrepreneurization, the solution has to be, we're not doing anything better right now. Yes, we need a better technology, but right now we don't have the person to lead that, or we don't have even the process built out that would even go in the technology. We don't yet know what kind of technology we even need. Because whatever the case is, you have to first decide, all right, we're not going to worry about the technology today. We're going to operate out of this Excel document. We're going to get really good at the process. And then we'll move out of Excel into a system, but we're not dealing with that now, right? And that's a decision. And everybody can get behind that decision. It's not in the limbo that no decision has been made, right? You have a problem because nobody's made a decision. Once a decision's made, you don't have a problem anymore. Now you just have to implement a solution. Yeah, I love that mindset. And thinking back to my corporate days, I wish the company that I work for embraced some of that mindset as well. Don, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, Don, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'll go with Sam Zell's comment of we don't buy markets, we buy deals. And there's always deals. I love that. Don, what's the best ever book you recently read? Best ever book I recently read. So I read a lot of books. So uh, I guess I'm reading this one right now here. So I'll go with this one. Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. But his better book is called The Obstacle by Ryan Holiday. Highly recommend it. Don, what's the best ever way you like to give back? So I gave a full presentation yesterday on philanthropy for about three hours. This is a very relevant topic. But what I try to do is leverage my organization the resources, the knowledge, the special skills and abilities we have as our platform for giving back. So the biggest area we're focused on is the affordable workforce housing crisis, but on a broader scale, we're focused on building communities. So right now we're in the process of building a large community center in our home market here. We're also part of a a leader in an organization called Build Strong Academy. We're building academies, schools throughout the country to teach construction skills and trades and to create jobs in that field, which is one of the biggest restrictors to afford housing today is there's not enough people doing uh, the work of the skills to do the necessary labor. So I could spend a lot of time on this, but those are a couple of the areas I'm focused on right now. And Don, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? You can go to dlpcapital.com. You can click on events, see all of our upcoming events. You can find me on social media. You can go to my podcast, Impact with Don Winner. And you can also welcome to email me at don at dlpcapital.com. Don, thank you so much for your time today. I could probably talk to you for several more hours. I'm going to be respectful and wrap this up. You've had an amazing run. 17 years ago, you started 60% year over year growth hitting a billion dollars in July of 2020, 4 billion today. Scary to think where you're going to be at in two years, but we'd love to have you back whenever you hit that next milestone. Don, thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Ash. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review, share this episode with somebody you think can benefit from it. And as always, follow, like, subscribe, and have a best ever day.